0: Hey everybody and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. everybody and welcome to the first episode of Salon Ownership Unfiltered. Let's hop right into the interview with our first guest, Victor Val. I'm so proud of this series and so happy that I've gotten to interview so many incredible salon owners. And today, one of my favorite people ever and one of my biggest mentors uh, said yes to being interviewed on this podcast. Um, Victor Val, he has been one of my mentors Since I first met him, I believe in like 2017 when he came to my salon with Lisa Walker to do a class. And from then on, um, I've gotten to work with Victor. I've hosted in his beautiful salon and he has been a great mentor for me. So when I was thinking of salon owners to bring on this, uh, Victor was like the first person I thought of. So thanks for saying yes, Victor. How thank are you? you,
1: thank you, Gina. I'm I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited to be here for you. I, I know you're doing great things, so I'm honored to be part of that journey. I so yeah, it.
0: I appreciate it so much. Thank you for believing in me, my passion project. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited, but yeah, I I really want this series to be motivational and inspirational for salon owners. Obviously, they'll learn things and secrets about like, you know, how other salon owners make it work. But I really want to like provide support for salon owners, because I do feel like salon owners kind of get left in the dust a little bit. Um, And I would just love to hear like, first off, like, how long have you been in the business? And like, how did you get to where you are?
1: yeah so it's so it's kind of a long long journey so i've been uh, in the business now since since 1992 or 93 so so we're going on 30 years and um and, and so yeah i got started per- relatively young um and and so i want to tell you guys because it's 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 hard to imagine when you see these people and, and i'm not talking about myself but you see these people as icons and legends as to they woke up one day and they were that fabulous, but, but it, but they all had the same journey as everybody listening to this, to this podcast. They all had the same journey. They all started in beauty school assisted uh, on commission, went on their own and on and on and on. So I had that same journey. And, and um, I'm most excited about sharing that story because I'm telling you guys, I, I, think of myself as not having any superpowers. I, I I just have drive, right? And so what that means, what I mean by that is if I can do it, guys, you can do it. And I literally mean that, right? So um, out of school, I started assisting. I found a great senior master stylist. Um, from there, I went commission for a couple of years. And then I broke out on my own. Um, and at the age of 24 I started my own salon and so I have kids now older than 24 and now as I look at that I was like wow I can't believe how young and how naive I was um, for that you know and so I did that for a long time a salon owner for for a very long time and I saw a lot of evolutions and I really consider myself being very fortunate to see the evolution of hair salons from uh, commission to um, rental to independence to studios, that kind of golden era, if you if you will, because we're in the thick of uh, studios and independent salons, and um, so I did that for for almost twenty years. I think it is. I still have a salon now, uh, very good salon, very exciting salon. I'm very proud of that salon. Um, but most recently in the last seven years, uh, you know, I started doing distribution. So I know that was a big, a big kind of intro, but my career has been that big, you know, and, and I want to mention it because I don't want to leave anything out. Uh, because if there's anybody on here listening, if I can do it, guys, I want to tell you, you, you can do it. So, so Gina, let's, let's unpackage that with like, um, how can I help?
0: Yeah, so a question I have, and I had like a lot of really good training when I was first starting out. Um, Like one of the things I had like audio programs I would listen to every single day on my way to and from school. And that really inspired me to be a salon owner. I always talk about the Robert Cromien's tapes that I listen to every single day to and from school. And that's one of the reasons I have the podcast is because like I had a mentor in my ear and I love having these conversations and having this medium that people can listen to when they work out or whatever. Cause like proximity is power, right? Like you are who you surround yourself with. So my question to you first is, did you have any like formal business training when you went and opened your salon or did you just figure it out as you went?
1: So, so the, so the answer is yes, I did. Um, and, and so by formal training is when I told my dad I wanted to be a hairdresser, um, I think he got the same reaction as most parents. So I don't fault him. Uh, but he was like, Oh, my gosh, hairdresser, you know, and back then, Gina, you know, you know top tier haircuts, like top were 25 bucks, which now would be like two 250. Right. So he's like $25, you know, and, and he didn't even think hairstylist, he thought uh, barber. So at that point, barber haircuts were like $2, literally $2, not like, but literally $2. So he's like, son, you know, how are you ever going to afford anything? You, you've got, you've got to do hundred haircuts to do, to get 200 bucks. So he says, um, I want you to go to accounting. I want, I want you to, uh, actually, he said, I want you to take a formal business class, college class. And he says, if, and, and, I I love my dad. He he's he's passed now, but uh, but he, he was brilliant and smart in a way that he could motivate me. He 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 knew what my buttons were—the good buttons and the bad buttons, right? Um, and he says, "I will uh, give you an allowance because we we don't have Zelle or Venmo or whatever." He, he says, "I'll give you an allowance. I'll buy you clothes. I will take you to school. Pick you up." Uh, If you go to college and you don't have to pay me rent, you don't have to do any of that stuff. And I was like, yes. Right. So um, naturally, Gina, something that I think a lot of the country, a lot of the people, the population do not possess numbers come very easy to me. Uh, One plus one fractions, percentages, all those things I, I can very quickly analyze a situation Cost, revenue, income, profit, uh, and and very quickly, risk, risk, risk. yeah. So so um, a very analytical mind on on the back end. Um, so I so I will say I do possess that natural talent um, that that I think is a is a talent or skill. Um, so because of that, I enrolled in my community college for accounting. Because I said, I'm going to ace these classes all day long because I don't got to do anything. I don't got to study. I don't got to do homework. I don't got to do anything. As the teacher's giving the lecture, I, I'm doing my homework and I, I'm done. So I did that for uh, two years in in uh, right after high school. And then I did another two years about 10 years later. So that is my formal training, um, accounting um, uh, business, uh, management, business law, uh, all those, all those classes that you could take in, in college. So I love that. Yeah. Formal business training, not formal business salon training, which is is a, a little bit different, but, but more universal. Yeah.
0: Cool. did you ever work with like a coach or anything?
1: Uh, not really, but uh, I didn't. I didn't have a specific coach. Coaching and mentorship wasn't as accessible as it is now, right?
0: That's what I was so, going to say. Like today, there's so much of it. But like, even when I was starting out. I found my business coach by like Googling like salon ownership school, salon ownership training. And I ended up finding this like tiny little place in Connecticut, which is where I live and they had a library. So I drove there and I bought everything in the library and they were just like, Hey, like we think we can help you. And I started working with them um, when I was opening my salon and it was like very random that I got that opportunity because it was very few and far between and now there's like a coach on every block and we can talk about that later because you we were saying we want to have a myth versus facts class. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I was just curious about like your like how when you got into ownership, like what kind of support did you have and like what like where how you started basically.
1: Well, so I I I was so as a, as a child i was always very curious and very ambitious uh, as a teenager and uh gina i have some very uh clear memories of being very ambitious and going to hair shows little hair shows small classes uh where i'm like one day and gina i'm telling you this is me at at 20 years old 21 years old one day i'm going to be the world's most famous you know hairstylist in the world and they're like kid simmer down that doesn't happen settle down settle down take a seat I, I'm gonna start a product company sit down I, I'm gonna do I'm gonna travel the world sit down um so but but with that you you have to be very careful of of, of sharing your dreams but with that ambition drive and just um that, that energy that yeah passion i encountered people with the same passion that that were on that journey that were actual uh, trailblazers so i had the absolute best fortune in the world and i don't i don't know if it was fortune or luck i'm going to call it destiny because my um my energy was contagious in the sense where it attracted law of attraction, uh, attracted other successful people. So I actually worked at Supercuts during Cosmo school and um, after Cosmo school. And and th- at this point, we were in Hollywood and we were doing four haircuts uh, an hour. Like, you know, and this is uh, 94, 94. 90- uh, two or, or whatever. Uh, so I was very fortunate that stylists from around the world would actually come to work at Supercuts because they they would, they we didn't, like commission structure was different back then in, in 92, 93, 94. So they would work at Supercuts, build their clientele, and then hop from Hollywood over to Bellary Hills. So I encountered um, tons of European hairdressers that would be that were working at Supercuts. They were like big you cut the hair like this and blah, blah blah and and at that time, you know, we had American hairdressers and we had European hairdressers and and it burned an impression in my head how these European hairdressers, like I never saw anybody do a double kiss right up until that time so they were like...
0: <laughs> and I was like
1: what the hell right and they would even they would even kiss men double kiss like like oh you look so fabulous oh my friend la, 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 la. right and so as the manager and the owners weren't looking they're were like hey come see me at giuseppe franco or come see me at louis Lacari, fereck pakai um uh I, um, I forget all the all the beverly hills names um Joseph Martin, come come see me. Right. And they'd slip the card. So Monday through Friday or Monday through Wednesday, they'd work at Supercuts. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're they're over here. So I worked there. Without knowing those guys were my mentors, I had an international experience uh to hairdressing. I think before uh most of the world did, because we didn't have I think that's a little extreme. I had an international experience um that most hairdressers did not at the time. So I had that experience. Uh, I had some great uh, people uh, along the way. After that, I assisted George Aldoretti, uh, which at the time was working for Lanza. so we're we're going back twenty five years before the internet. you gotta you gotta remember how impactful and powerful that was and he was working with uh, Philip what's his name philip um uh, wilson philip wilson do you know philip wilson yeah no oh gosh okay he was working with philip wilson huge which was working with trevor sorby and uh, ruth roach and vivian McKender and like all those people so so my lineage if you will my bloodline was uh, very exciting at the time so that the, so that was a long story of mentorship, but those, those were my indirect mentors.
0: I love it. Um, Tell everyone about cut
1: house. So, so I I worked at a a few different uh, salons. Uh, I worked in Beverly Hills. I worked in Hollywood. um, I worked in, in, in a few, um, you know, salons that were at, at the time, very 90s, very uh, cutting edge, but they were ruthless, cutthroat, and focused on the look on the outside versus the passion on the inside. And um, and and so with all that experience, and and working at Supercuts. I decided that I wanted to open a brand that was down to earth. Um, We cared about people on the inside before we cared about the people on the outside. If we could have a happy family, we could have a content neighborhood. So that was really, really the, the, the purpose. That is really the purpose and the passion behind it. So to me, I still see a lot of salons that will hire based on looks of the stylist followers of the stylist, you know, um, how pretty the stylist is, how handsome the guy is nothing wrong with that. But when we interview people, I interview the inside first and then interview the talent second, and then everything else on the outside doesn't really matter if you're a good person and you can cut a straight line and you can paint within the lines you're hired so it is a down-to-earth local salon to the neighborhood we cater to everybody we we don't just do face framing balayages on every single person uh we're open to everybody we we don't turn down uh non-photogenic clients And I feel like it's a great place to work. But the most important part about this, Gina, I think is the leadership. The leadership champions the stylist. And and you have to, you really have to understand what I mean. and, And salon owners listening to this podcast, I want you to take this to heart with passion. I see so many salons that are stale in 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 growth because the owner is a bully and they are at the top of the food chain nobody eats before the owner nobody gets bigger than the owner nobody grows more followers than the owner nobody gets sponsorship deals but the owner we are completely opposite our leadership team my my uh, position on this is we take our kids, our stylists, our leadership team, and we push them up. That this is, this is how we do it, right? We push these people up and as they're moving up, they go and they grab somebody and they pull them up and then somebody else pulls them up. What I see a lot right now is salon owners standing on the shoulders of stylus in order to prop head and shoulders above the crowd. And as soon as that stylus beneath them says, Hey boss, that looks pretty good. I would like to try some of that. No, you're fired. No, you're insubordinate. No, you're not compliant. No. Right. So essentially we're not talking about those, those people. That is what House is. We champion our people, we elevate them through that process of growth and caring for our team. They reciprocate and we just keep moving up. We're making money, we're profitable. It's a great place to work, but there is very little hatred and uh, gossiping in the salon.
0: Yeah, that's super important. Anytime there's gossip going on, it's like immediately toxic. Um, I love that. That's amazing. What, so like, what does it look like when someone gets hired there? Do you put them through like a training program? Are you only hiring people who have some experience? Like what, what does that look like? What does that growth look like?
1: Yeah. So I'm very proud to say, very proud to say, and this is not a diss on anybody whatsoever, but I do think it has some, something to do with ethics. We do not poach a uh, stylist. And that is very, very like that. That's all over our industry right now. And you you got to remember if you do that, you, you got to remember how you initiated that relationship, right? So if you're open to it, your stylist is open to it. Those people are always going to be open to it. Right. But if you cater to bringing people in organically then there's a natural attraction to your culture energy and business so when people apply first thing we do is we bring them in and we interview the inside we like we i, I we the last thing we look for is the, their talent so uh we we look for interesting things that will help us grow our business collectively And what I mean by that is, were you a cheerleader? Were you a Boy Scout? Were you an ABS? Um, Are you, do you go to church? Are you in some type of uh, servant position at church? Are, Are you a giver? Is like what we're looking for. Are you a giver? Are you a builder? Are you, do you, you know, when we interview, like once we get done with the silly questions, I said, do you sing or dance? You know? Like, can you paint? Like, can you like, you know, can you do a Rubik's cube or something? So, um, if we have somebody come in, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm fabulous. I'm, you know, Pierre, the greatest artist," and blah 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 blah, and and um, you know, and 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 their kind of vibe is like cringy, and we have somebody that doesn't know how to cut hair very well. Uh, but they're like, yeah, it was I was in the Girl Scouts and you know, I was on ABS and you know, I did three years of cheerleading and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, hired. You you're hired. I don't even care because we're gonna hire you and we're gonna train you. So that's really what the hiring process looks like at at Cut House. You know, we we hire the person first and and teach them.
0: I love it, and you have like a training program and people on your team who are all on board with that. Is it a commission model, booth rent hybrid? What does it look like?
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's it's rental independent uh, for the most part. We made that change during during COVID, but it it it's kind of with an interesting twist. Uh, we, we I'm gonna go back twenty years. We used to be hourly like, you know, because I I borrowed that from from the Supercuts. We were hourly, then we switched to commission, then we switched to independent, then we switched to uh, hybrid. And so now we are 90% independent. When people start with us, their journey, um, new stylists are much more adapt to learning. They they learn much faster than they did, um, you know, 20 years ago. So our commission, um, program, assisting program uh, is more of a uh, this is not a, a technical actual term, but I'm just gonna call it a head start program where from day one, we are training you to be a self-reliant, profitable renter, right? That. So that's that's what that six months uh, initiation uh, looks like. So it's six months to a year of assisting. Uh, six months to a year of commission, and and then you and then you go uh, independent or booth rent or rental, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. That's like a really yeah. unique opportunity.
1: It it is it is. So you know, I'm very fortunate um in in my business um opportunities and and dwelling and and. We can afford, I'm having trouble saying this, but we can afford to not have to squeeze every dime out of the salon uh, because we I have other things going on that allow me to have that luxury, right? So if the salon was my only business... Um, yeah, I, I'm just making these up. There would be a towel charge and a phone charge and the light charge and the AC charge and the, the charge for the charge and the credit card charge and the charge 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 the charge, uh, and
0: exactly
1: uh, same. So, so because I have these other things going on, um, it's it's not important for me to 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 choke the weeds, to to choke the uh the 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 fruit growing out uh you know. Uh, we, we, we don't, we don't have to. So uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about um, that entrepreneurship and everything later. Cause I definitely want to touch on that. We have time, but okay, cool. So cut house is amazing. You give them a really cool opportunity to like, you know, get hired, get trained, build up, and then start their own thing um, in your business. Cause I know you've got a lot of other stuff going on. Like, what is your role? in cut house. Like, do you still do hair? Like, are you manager by walking around? Are you doing check-ins with people? Like what is your like role there?
1: Yeah, Gina, that, that's a great question. So I have uh three people in in leadership there. And so we have Richard Canales um that is a, a manager and he's in charge of the physical uh operations and by physical i literally mean the things you you can touch so you have to have somebody that's checking on the doors on the locks on the bathrooms on the this on the that because stylists stylists have choices and they want to make sure that wherever they're working and they're giving you an exchange that they're um that their property and their location is properly working so 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 that's that's one of those. Uh, that's what Richard does. Then we have Susanna, um, which uh, says Nelson, and then she's in charge of birthdays. She is also a liaison. She's she's what I would say is um our union representative, right? And and so we could have um New assistants, they're like, no, I'm not gonna talk to Victor. He's like, ooh, scary. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk to him, right? And they don't want to talk to the manager either. So Susanna is like, hey Gina, it's your birthday. Like, you know, happy birthday. Here's your card. Uh, you know, hey Victor, um, it's been three months. We need our, we need a pep rally. We need our meeting. Um, what's going on for Christmas? So she is our culture vibe organizer right and then we have uh Vanessa Castro which is admin payroll and um you know everything office back end and I, I meet with that group pretty regularly and and essentially uh that is my role I um visit the salon twice a month is Uh, what my involvement is at the actual cut house. So my operation uh, for distribution is, is um, about 10, 10 minutes away. So it's very easy for me to get there, but, but I'm, but I'm not there. Yeah.
0: Same. My role at the network is very minimal too. I am supporting my leadership team a lot. Um, But I love that you said pep rally. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah because because your your manager that makes executive decisions uh such as firing cannot be the same person that is open to opinions um there there's a breakdown there right it, 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 so if you know the boss that's, that fires people is the same boss that you got to go talk to and say boss I I don't like I don't like the shampoo here there might be something there but the person that's like hey Gita, you're you know you're doing really good here's your birthday here's five bucks for starbucks thank you for working here blah 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 blah. hey Susanna, i want to talk to you about something can we get you know triple ply toilet paper or or where you know what i mean in in my head i'm i'm just so busy and i'm like triple ply toilet paper girl i ain't got time for that right now I'm, i'm like you know so you, you have to be where we very, very aware of that and then also you need somebody that's on the physical plant location and and how it is so if the door's not working hey he's on it um i think it. i think the budget's like 500 bucks anything under 500 bucks
0: don't talk I, to me just,
1: yeah just mm-hmm. fix it like you yeah know, you know yeah
0: I love that. I am going to borrow pep rally from you because right now we do town hall meeting and I think that's way too serious. And so you said you do every three months meeting.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We do every month. I feel like it's too much because like I feel like for booth renters, you know what I mean? Like we do like a monthly survey and we do a monthly meeting, but only like six or seven people show it's virtual. Um, And I think if we did it like every three months and made it like a pep rally this may be different look I'm learning so much I always learn yeah
1: different. yeah no we have to, we we have celebrations we we um we don't um we, we we stop doing like hey you're leaving the door or the color bowl sinks dirty blah, blah blah we we just talk to that person and that's it the the whole the whole room doesn't have to hear how someone sucks like you know doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter
0: Okay. So you struggle with people not washing their dishes too. It's not just. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we have a group chat and uh, I'll get the picture in here. Like, you know, um, our, um, we, we have, uh, four, five, six stylists that are over 35, a few that are over 40, a few that are over 50 and maybe two that are over 60. Right. You know, and, they they are adults, you know, some of them even grandpas and grandmas. And so, um, th- you know, they will say, hey, what the heck? Why are you not, uh, you know, uh, put put everybody on blasted on the on the group chat? But but, you know, we do police within our own uh, organization and I and I mean that sincerely and humbly right so it's it's respectful so hey Gina yesterday you, you know you, you forgot to put your cape away your clippers away I, I put them away for you but you know just giving you a heads up but not like Gina you, you suck you never put your stuff away and it does get old after a while and it's like hey Gina like you know I don't know how many more times we can tell you we're you know Yeah, then then it gets serious, but we all police within each other and they all respect each other's um, you know, not on not on not on the shoulder, if you will. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. Cool. Um, so much good info, Victor. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh good. Um, so your employees obviously can make their own schedule when they're booth rent, and then do you schedule them when they're commissioned?
1: Right, so yeah, booth booth renters. Um, the salon is open twenty four seven, and I literally mean twenty four seven. The sh- it never it never closes. There's no restriction. If you want to work at three in the morning, you can work at three in the morning. Um, you want to come in at four in the morning to get started, you can. Um, and uh, commission commission stylists start one day on the week. Uh, um, I'm sorry, one day a week, and they and they scale up to five days a week and you cannot work less than three days a week once you build your clientele and uh we encourage our commission stylists to be booking three thousand dollars a week before we are comfortable uh letting them become renters um because uh once you become a renter, you tend to like slack off a little bit, you know? And so so 99% of the time when I've ever had a renter talk to me that the rent was too high, I said, girl, guy, boy, let's be serious here. The rent is not too high here. It's just not, it's not. The problem is you don't make enough money, right? So either you're never here at the salon, you're either giving away your services. You're not willing to take walk-ins or new clients. You have what 90% of all hairstylists have. You have new client anxiety, you know, where the reception is like, hey, Gina, I booked you a new client. Who is it? What do they want? Did you get a picture? How much are they going to pay? When are they coming? I don't work Thursdays. No, no, reschedule them. And then it's like, bro.
0: Just take the client.
1: Like. Bro, you don't, you don't have any of your, anybody on your books for three weeks. What, are you serious right now? <laughs> like, so, so we, we then say, okay, um, you know, we want you to be at $3,000, uh, it, w- which is not a hard line. It's not mandatory. We would prefer that. And then at that point, uh, we celebrate you going on the, on the floor as a uh, renter if you do it before that we still celebrate you uh, but there's very little mercy when it comes to like I told you like I told you I wanted you to hold on a little bit longer now you're struggling now now you're talking to you know your your union representative Susanna. I think I want to become a nurse. I love nursing. Don't get me wrong. I, I think I'm going to work at the you know Department of Motor Vehicles. Like I'm going to get a part-time job at the post office. I'm like, bro, you could make $300,000 a year behind the chair easy all day. Like all day, $300,000 behind the chair is not like, like I don't even break a sweat. at at 300k behind the chair if i was full-time sometimes i'm like dude i should just go i should just go back to doing hair and like yeah forget all this nonsense and just crush it you know but uh but my passion is uh, somewhere else now so um but so when 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 you know these newer stylists or or brand new stylists like hey i can't afford the rent it's too expensive i'm gonna it's it's late or whatever i'm like there's no reason for that. No reason. Like let, let's kind of work through that. And then, you know, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that will bring me to my next question, which you might've might, might have already answered is do you have any pet peeves as a boss?
1: Pet, pet peeves. Yeah. I think, uh, um, you, you know, uh, negative, uh, conversations about their personal business. I, I really, I really hate that. Um, because someone's experience behind the chair or in the salon is their experience and, and I think you know um negativity loves company, misery loves company and uh and and we really try to stop that ASAP and, and that and then that you know that happens every once in a while, uh, but for the most part we, we we try to put that fire out. That's probably the biggest thing where it's like, you know, and that's every salon in the world. And no stylist is perfect. No situation is perfect. And no salon owner is perfect. But for example, this is what I'm talking about. Let's say I'm slow and you're not as slow. And I go in the back room, hey, Gina, I'm slow. Are you slow? And then you're like, well, I'm slow compared to me. I'm not as slow as you, but I guess I'm slow. And i are like, hey, we're slow. So then you start the, hey, we're slow group right gang club and then you you just start to like cultivate right because if somebody's doing you know 20 grand behind the chair a month and they're now at 15 well they're slow so relatively speaking they're slow so so like someone's negative experience in the salon or situation financially personally and and professionally i hate when they share that amongst others unless they're looking for advice Exactly. If they're looking for advice, Hey, Gina, I'm slow. What do you, what, what should I do? Right. Um, also, um, you know, people that come to the salon and they don't have any clients because we encourage you to come to the salon when you don't have any clients. Um, and they sit around and what I encourage them to do is assist senior stylists and do doll heads for, for content or do product reviews for, for content. Um, It bugs me a little bit uh, as a pet peeve when when they don't, right? So Gina is slow, comes to the salon and she sits there and doesn't do anything and four or five hours go by. And then at that point, we're like, you didn't do anything. The contrary to that, what I love is when Gina comes to the salon, she doesn't have a client for four hours and she's assisting Bob and Susie, and this and that. And, you know, she's doing a doll head, and and then, or she's Gina sitting in the mirror. She's like, Hey, it's Gina. I've got this new, you know, black and white hairspray. I love it. Blah, 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 blah. If you guys are looking for it, we have it at the salon. You know, click the link below. But, like, what most stylists that are slow don't realize is that you got to get busy to get busy, right? Like, in, in a weird way, the universe has an energy about it. I, I don't know what it is, and I don't want to get all weird like with that. But it reciprocates, like it's like it's a it's a vacuum pump, like you know. It's if law,
0: it, right? It's like a body in motion yeah. stays in motion, a body at rest stays at rest. So if you're not doing anything, you're not going to get any results.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So true. Um, I I think that I think that's it. I mean. Um, I I really, I, I, I love the staff, but I don't really have a a lot of complaints.
0: Well, the reason I asked that question is because, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of stylists and booth renters listening to this too. And like, just be mindful of what you bring into the space too. Cause it's not always the salon. That's a problem. You know, a lot of people will just be like, you know, blaming the salon or like, they do want them. It's like that misery loves company. And like, sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. So I, I wanted to ask that just to, and I'm glad that you shared about like you know people sharing their negative at looking unless you're looking for advice like what is that doing besides maybe meeting your need for connection like how is that benefiting the space you know so just being mindful of that absolutely um two questions and then we're gonna move on <laughs> so yeah like you i'm just gonna circle way back to when you said you don't poach um there's a lot of chatter in the salon (laughs) in the social media space about how poaching and recruiting should be okay and it's crazy that it's not in our industry um you know i like that you say you don't poach i really would never i wouldn't feel right like going out of my way to like message a stylist who's like at a salon like they did not come to me first Anything like I really would feel weird about that. Um. So you agree?
1: Yeah. I I think if you're, I think if you're opening a salon, I, I think the brand should start, should, should, um, speak for itself. Where, guys, uh, salon owners, um, you know, I'm, I'm not passing any blame. I'm not, I'm not really judging you. I'm just, you know, I'm only speaking for myself. But, but really, what we're doing is we're tearing somebody else down. And I think that the, the the easiest fruit on um, the easiest fruit to pick is fresh commission stylus, and um, so we've trained these people for six months. And yes, yes, I do want a return. I absolutely do want a return. It's it's like it's it's just it, it's just the way business works. Like if if I'm gonna. If I'm gonna do a service on a client, I wanna get paid for it. If I'm gonna do a service by coaching someone, right? I wanna return for that. So what happens is um, suites, independent salons, salon owners that are just opening up, suites will DM stylists, hey, we got this new salon, you know, and they, and they send PDFs and you, and you can look, you can go on almost any, you can go on almost any suite uh, and look up their like in their like Q and a frequently asked questions, or it's all, it's everybody does it differently. And it says, how much is your service total? And they'll say a thousand dollars. And then, and then it doesn't say your commission rate, you know? oof. It doesn't say your commission rate. It says how much does your salon owner keep? Dirty, dirty, right? And then obviously you put in the percentage, right? Um. So and then and then it goes to list and list and list and list, and it's not very accurate because it doesn't have all the nuances of being independent. Now. Guys, saloners, independents, commission people—I, you definitely make a little bit more money. You make, you can make more money, and you can make a lot more money on being a booth renter if you're a go-getter. If you're not a go-getter, then then stay in your lane, right? If you're a go-getter, you can kill it. I applaud you. Grow your business, make three hundred thousand dollars behind the chair, independent, have a good life, but. So these guys plant these seeds like, hey, you could do it. You could do it. Your salon, your salon owner is keeping half, whatever, whatever. Right. So. If you're starting a business, promote, 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 promote. You got education, promote, you got marketing, promote, you got this, promote this, the benefits, the keys, whatever. Discount in the beginning because you don't, you know, it's supply and demand. You don't have any demand. So you've got an excess of supply. You've got too many rooms, you got too many chairs. Discount it for the first two years. Grow your business, grow your team, and then and then go from go from there, you know. Um And then, so we have independent salons that are like, "Hey, how much do you pay for rent?" or, or they already know how much we we charge. They're like, "Hey, we charge a little bit less." So that's that's very often. Or, um, you know, uh, salon owners will DM stylists saying, "Hey, uh, you know, come work for me. I can give you a lot of opportunity." You know. You can grow with me, come fly the world with me, yada, yada, yada. And so Gina, this is not just my own experience. I work with, I'm going to say 2000 salon owners nationwide on a monthly basis. This is, this is not just like, Hey, what Victor's saying, this is what, Hey, um, so so my distribution team Victor, we we have a salon owner up in San Francisco. It's Betty Sue she she wants five minutes from you and, and then I'm like, okay, who is it? like look up their client profile. She buys product from us. she's been a customer for a year. I'm like, give her my phone number. she'll call me and she's like, Victor. this a salon down the street. They're just sending all my people I had a walkout. everybody went over there blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, two things internal the, the hard message internal inventory what are you doing bad wrong or not equal to first let's let's like let's self inventory what do you suck at right and then why did why did they leave right
0: they had these phone calls me and you
1: yeah <laughs> yeah you, you know, when was the last time you remodeled? You know, are you offering the same perks that the neighborhood is is offering? You, you know, did you open up your business and call everybody in town to find out what their rent was and decided to be 10% less? So now you don't have enough money for perks and education, Christmas parties and family outings during the summer? Like, sis, you screwed this up at the onset now you know now you're the phoenix now you're on fire let's 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 rebuild you so um so i do see that often and i and 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 you know some people listening to this podcast might might not know but i also own a distribution where on a regular basis every every day every week we get hundreds of, of customers uh, a lot of them salon owners a lot of the independents some of them we have a a few sweet um landlord owners and we know all the practices we we see them we hear them firsthand so yeah
0: yeah i love that um and honestly sometimes that when that happens like a walkout or that burning down it is exactly what the owner needs to rebuild and do something that they're meant to do like you know that happened to me and it was the greatest thing that ever happened even though during it felt like the greatest curse but it was the greatest thing ever so if you are going through something like that you're not alone Um, yeah you you
1: you could you could make you could you could work through it for sure
0: um another question is your salon gratuity free or what do you think of gratuity free salons
1: So, so my salon is not gratuity free. Um, It's, it's, it's not, I, um, I don't expect tips, but I love tips. Same. Um, I will bend. I, I, I already bend backwards for my clients, but I will double down when they slide me a 50 or they slide me a hundred facts i i sometimes you, you know uh will charge immense men's haircut uh 75 bucks and they'll pull uh you know 150 bucks put it on the counter and i'm like what? Well, i could have given you change at 100 and there's another 50 i'm like i'm like i feel really dumb asking do you want to change? change am like no no it's yours like and i'm like bro, you just hundred percent like on the, on the, on the, on the tip. Um, no, I, I, I don't encourage it, but I 110% welcome it uh, for sure.
0: Love that. All right. Awesome. So we went through a lot. I just have a few more yeah. questions. Um, any stylist listening right now and their dream is to open a salon. What do you have to say to them?
1: I, w- I would say definitely take some business classes. What's going to shut you down is your lack of profitability. It is is your lack of profit, that is what's going to shut you down.
0: Really quick, Victor. I wanted to ask this before too, and I forgot if the salon was your only thing going on, would you be employment-based or booth rental? Like if you had nothing else going on, no other revenue streams coming in, if you were solely a salon owner, booth rent or commission or hourly. I would it
1: would it would it would be the other way around where we are 80% rental now, 20% commission. It would be 80% commission, uh 20% uh rental. I would only keep the most premium of premium a premium go-getter renters in there the ones that are like like crushing it that are absolutely adding tremendous value more than their their 350 a week they're more than more than their rent uh, that are just absolutely crushing they're doubling down on the value and then if that was my quote unquote only job i would then 110% be behind these people to be generating 3 to 5 grand a week so the obvious part is we're gonna benefit 50 to 60% of their weekly total. So I would then, uh, you know, uh, focus on them generating revenue uh, so we could have a greater net income. There is the potential of, of making good money, if, if you will. Like say for instance, when, when I had a, a commission salon um when I had a commission salon, like my like my dollar value was probably about $250 a, an hour, is what I would make per day as as the owner manager of the business. I would pay myself $250 an hour per day to run that business. Now, a lot of people saying, Wow, $250, that's a lot of money. But I was contributing about worth of myself back into that business. And when you included the overtime and the off time, I would dilute that. And so what I'm getting at is that it's a tremendous amount of work to manage commission hairdressers that I don't want to say it's not worth it, but it's easier to manage rental stylist because basically you're their landlord and you're coaching them along the way you you, you don't you're not yielding the 250 it's it's probably a fraction of that but but you 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 now you buy you're you're buying your time back right so so that that difference between 250 and what you're yielding you bought your 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 time back which hopefully you can then do something else with it
0: Yeah, because the reason I want to slide that question in is because a lot of people, when they go to open a salon, they want to just open a booth rental salon, but they don't realize like you need like 20 to 30 chairs. And you told me this a long time ago you need like 20 to 30 chairs to do booth rent or else it's not worth it. It's just, you won't make enough and you can't offer enough. And the rent is going to be super high if you don't have a lot of chairs. So if you have a smaller salon and you're working behind the chair, crushing it, doing 300K behind the chair and you want to rent out the rest of your booths, who cares? Uh, But if you're looking for like a hands-off landlord opportunity, you need a big place. You need, and like for me, like I have so much other stuff going on. The salon is nowhere near my number one income. Like it's not even close to yeah. my income. Like what I don't even, I make my money in a lot of other places. um. But I, just someone who's thinking about opening a salon, like uh, to consider the business models and the profitability and the size and what you're able to do. So I just wanted to slide that in there.
1: Yeah, no, for for sure. So, so going back to that, I have a firm belief that unless you hit that, unless you're going to open with 20 plus 20, 20 plus is the minimum You, you guys. And we don't have enough time here, but at 10 chairs or less, you're, you're losing money on a regular basis at 15 chairs. You're breaking even at 20 chairs. Plus you're starting to make a little bit of money because it costs you the same amount of money to operate 10 chairs that to operate 15 chairs. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't cost you more right to operate 20 chairs versus 15 chairs. It really doesn't cost you more, but you have five extra renters or, or chairs that become profitable from 20 to 40 chairs it really doesn't cost you that much more. So now you have 20 chairs. Now you have 20 little ATMs that are pushing out, Look, 20 little apartment buildings or doors that are that are uh, creating creating revenue. So anything under 20 chairs, I would really consider if you don't know what that means or why, or you can't figure it out, or you want to fight me on that, call Gina, call me and we could try to break it down. But, but unless you're, unless you're at 20, like I I wouldn't even consider doing it. You're, you're losing money. I'm telling you right now.
0: I agree. And to your point, when you say, um, you know, if you want to fight us on it, or if you have a question or if you need support on it, if you go to ginabianca.com slash podcast, there is a button where you could submit a question. And at the end of this series, I'm going to be answering questions. So make sure you guys go and fill that out. If you have any follow-up questions, i happy to answer them here on the podcast. So that was great. I'm glad that we added that in because I think it's really important for people who want to open a salon, but don't know what model, or maybe they want to, you know, I had a, a call with a, a amazing couple and they wanted to open a booth rent salon. They had 11 chairs and they wanted to offer free alcohol. And I was like, how, Why? What, like you need like 50 chairs to offer Mm -hmm. like Celsius. Like Mm -hmm. it's just crazy. Like the way I look at it is every chair is a cost. So like one chair per year is the towel service. One chair per year is the snacks. One chair per year is just all of those Mm -hmm. things you want to offer. It's like the chairs you just take them away. And then when you add payroll and managers and support, so the place runs beautifully, it's like two chairs three chairs. So like yeah. having more of them is critical. And that was the, like, I, I swear Victor. And I, like, I tell, I talk about you behind your back. I will say, I would not have the network if it was not mm. for Victor, because you gave me the best advice. And when you said, you said 30 chairs or don't even do it, I swear I did it. I like followed your advice. Yeah. And, did it. and if I had 15 chairs, 20 during the pandemic, we sold 15 chairs. Because we had to downsize and I ended up buying 15 chairs and stations again, but the 15 chairs we maxed out um, and we were breaking even. And I was like, thank God. Yeah. And I was glad I got to see it. Like the pandemic was almost a gift because I was glad I got to see it. Right. This could have been my limit and thank God we had more. So, oops, sorry. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. So let me let me give you a quick visual. I got ten fingers up, right? Five to six are rent. Two is the front desk. One is the lighting, and one more. Uh, I mean, the electrical, AC, everything else. One more is like toilet paper and everything else. There's literally no money left. Mm-hmm. There's none, and I haven't even started counting Christmas parties and events. So that's fifteen chairs. It's still just at break even. Right. You're not even like building a piggy bank. So tw- 20 chairs is, is is the mark. Um, and then 30 chairs is really the gold. And then you know, if you could squeeze 40 into a space, another really quick uh thing is you you need to have a minimum of 10 chairs per thousand square feet. That that is that is minimum. the golden rule. Yeah, so like if there's a golden rule of, of of photography, the golden thirds or whatever they call it, it is uh, one chair per hundred square feet or you know, ten chairs per thousand. And, and if you're not if you're not doing that, that's not too tight. But you're also you're also bleeding you're you're bleeding money. You're losing money by by not adhering to that. So if you're out there listening to this, really quickly is. If you have, uh, you know, uh, two thousand square feet, that's twenty chairs, but you're only squeezing in fifteen chairs, you're still going to struggle because you have a deficit. You might think, oh, like this is break even, like there, there's a little bit more to the math there, but you know, that's that's podcast number two.
0: Yeah, next <laughs> podcast. Um, the other thing I I learned really long time ago, I forget where I learned it but they said that every thousand square feet should generate a million dollars. And that's like another one of those golden rules. And one of the mistakes that I made in my first salon, um, Gina Bianca hair, we were open. We opened in 2014. And then in 2016, we expanded from 1500 square feet to 4,000 square feet. And my 1500 square feet was not generating anywhere anywhere near a million dollars and I expanded way too early way too early I could have split shifts I could have been open seven days a week our productivity wasn't there Um, you know I could have definitely added more stations I had four stations you know I could have added 10 more stations (laughs) Um, but no it was like one of the bigger mistakes that I made I didn't realize it until it had already been done. And I will share that with a lot of owners. It's like, oh, we're expanding, we're expanding. It's like, okay, like the golden rules that you talk about is true. Like there's so much you could do to maximize and stay small and nimble instead of getting into this big giant where it's like really hard to like change directions.
1: Yeah. So, so I just want to make sure the audience is, um, we're clear on this. It's a million per thousand square feet went on commission yes, and
0: yes, yes
1: yeah and then you cannot you're not ready to expand your commission operation until you are double shifting 7 days a week there there be, because did I, I don't want to get too complicated with the math but when, once you once you're at 15 stations and now you're double booking you're no longer renting chairs now or or um you you no longer just have chairs. Now you're actually counting the hours you have for sale. Mm-hmm. So instead of one chair, um one stylus uh at each station, now you have 10 to 12 hours per chair, right? So you could so it that gets a little math heavy. Podcast but
0: number
1: two. Yeah, podcast number two. But I, two. I know you know what I mean, but but yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I totally get it. Um, Okay, cool. So we asked, what advice you would give to a stylist who wants to open a salon?
1: So, so first, first of all, I cut um, you off. Yeah, sorry. So first of all, (laughs) you you if you are not now, I can only speak for California. So if you're not at least doing two thousand dollars a day, don't consider it. If you don't at least have twelve clients a day, don't consider it. What um, about the
0: people who want to see two clients a day?
1: Uh, or you, hour you, time so, slots? Uh, so so what what I so let me rephrase that. If you're not seeing at least twelve clients a day, so um two hours two clients per hour. Okay. Or, or what did you?
0: So. There's people who, if you, okay, Victor, if you say 12 clients a day, you're toxic.
1: So, so, so you're right. Uh, So that is, that is toxic because I have to be very. I like to
0: see 12 clients a day. I like to double book, triple book, work with an assistant, but I'm just saying to people listening into salon owners, they're going to hear that and say, yeah, like any of my staff would ever work with me (laughs) if I had them seeing or working like that or whatever, but um, two thousand a day, and then what were you gonna say? Sorry,
1: no. So, 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 I'm only talking about the salon owner. I'm only talking about the stylist that wants to open a salon. Yeah. So I'm not talking about how you run your operation. So, so that, let's be clear: here. if you are considering open a salon, you're not ready until you're doing at least $2000 a day to open your own salon and you are definitely not ready to open a salon unless you yourself are seeing at least 12 clients a day. Now, the reason I say $2000 a day is because you guys, you have to understand you are literally taking your your revenue and now you're going to cut your hours in half. So if you're do if you were doing $2000 a day in a eight to 10 hour day. Now you're working five hours behind the chair and five hours behind the front desk. So you literally gave half of your income away to open this dream of a salon, not realizing that you're going to, you're going to have a serious dip in income. Doing hair behind the chair is the most profitable thing you could ever do as a hairdresser because all you do is pay your rent, make a ton of money and go home. And then you get this crazy idea of opening a salon. So now. Answer number two to that is that if you're at least doing 12 clients a day, when you start to hire on people, if you only hire seasoned veterans, killer stylists, beast mode stylists, they're gonna come with baggage. Sorry to say that, but they're gonna come with baggage. So now, the reason I say 12 clients a day is because I would rather you hire baby stylists out of school, teach them. And then out of that pool of 12 people that you can no longer service, because now you're, now you're running the business. You are now saying, Hey, Gina, baby Gina, take two of these clients a day. Hey, baby Susie, take two of these clients a day. Hey, baby Bob, take two of these clients a day. You're doing six clients behind the chair they're doing two clients behind the chair on a regular basis they're generating revenue and they're now sharing 50% of what you were making before so instead this gets math heavy so instead of you doing 2000 behind the chair now maybe you're making 1200 behind the chair they're making a little money so 2000 behind the chair and or 12 clients behind the chair so you get split now that's the financial hurdle That's the first thing. The second thing is I really would love for anybody considering to open opening a salon to have at least 50 to 75% of the build out in savings of cash that they own personally and have no debt because guys, if you finance your salon, 100%, you're going to have I'm going to go back to the 10 fingers or let's you go to 15. You're going to have the natural cost of doing business. Plus you're going to have to service the debt that you borrowed. So if you borrowed 200,000, 300,000, 500,000 to build your salon, you've got to now pay that. So Gina, it's going to take you five to 10 years to pay that back. Okay. It's going to take you five to t- to 10 years to pay that back by the, five to 10 year mark, I'm sorry to say this, I'm not talking about anybody in particular, your salon is no longer relevant. Your brand new stations are now janky and you just finished paying off that loan. So now you don't have any savings, but if you were beast mode, let's go back two years. If you were beast mode, 2000 behind the chair, 12 clients a day, 300K, And you put in your pocket for that three-year span of like, I'm going to open the salon, I'm going to open a salon. For that three-year span, you save 75K every year, hard cash, hard cash, hard cash. Year three, year four, you've got $225,000, if my math is right, $225,000. You're like, boom, let's open the salon. The salon is paid for the day you open. You're beast mode. You are 90% ahead of the crowd of any salon in your area. So now yeah. all the money that is coming in is net net net. And and I, I know some of you guys aren't gonna get this, but you got your gross profit, you've got your service your debt, you've got to do your taxes, so that's your net net. Your net 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 is your take home. Sis, you're killing it. <laughs> you're you're killing that's- it. You're you're killing it. If yeah. It's it's podcast number two. I mean, I mean, you know, sometimes I wish I did some business consulting again. But but I feel but, like
0: you do though. You've I, I do a little bit. Consulted me.
1: <laughs> I I I do I do I do a little bit, but it just like it's like medicine or working out or things or like reading. You know, you should be eating healthy, but you don't. You know, you should be reading every day but you don't you, you know you should be praying and meditating every day but you don't you know you should be working out every day but you don't right so it's it's kind of the it's kind of the business coaching is that when you're growing a, a um a very robust business there's always somebody ahead of you there's 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 always somebody ahead of you i i call my distributor partners um all over the country i'm like <laughs> Joe, <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> My sales suck. I got this sales marketing, whatever. And they're like, and, and they're like, you know, I'm like, I look at your numbers. You guys are like, hundred millions in sales. I'm like, I'm making pennies compared. Like, bro, how do you do it? They're like, boom, boom, boom. Like hard facts. Like self inventory. Like what? Do you, like are you doing this, this, and this, and this? I'm like, no. They're like. Don't even come back until you're like, this, this, and this. I'm like, yes, sir. Like, don't come back until you're in the gym. Don't come back until you're reading. Because you guys, there's no no magic pill. Like, you know, 20 plus stations is just the starting point, you know? So, yeah. Sorry, I get super passionate about this. I love
0: it. No, this is great. This is my favorite podcast I've ever done. (laughs) 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 um <laughs> <laughs> uh, i promise we're almost done i just like really wanted to pick your brain <laughs> um all right so that's like probably the best advice any stylist who wants to open a salon could get it's the 100% truth um when i opened gbh i opened it debt-free uh the only thing i put on a credit card was those blow dryers that hang from the ceiling
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i put those on a credit card. those are like a last minute thing Um, But I ended up paying it off. I ended up paying my student loan off. I ended up paying any debt I had and I was debt free forever. It was like the greatest thing. Um, And then I screwed up a little bit when I expanded. (laughs) But the network... Um I was able to open pretty much debt free because of my classes. I was able to like go out, make money and then I just dumped it all back into the salon. Yeah. Um, I mean but what you're yeah. saying is 100% true. Like the best feeling is when you own everything and you know we can talk about uh investments in a couple minutes, but uh, my next goal is to own the building and I think mm-hmm. that that's something really important to think about if you're a salon owner is to find a way to own the property. Um Another question. What do you think every salon owner should realize today about like the new workforce, like the new generation? Because you always hear salon owners all like bitter. Uh, No one wants to work, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure like, you know, every generation is different. But what do you think? Because I feel like you're very you're very connected to so many artists and you you don't you've never been the type, at least to me or like what I've seen, to be like nobody wants to work today, <laughs> or like you seem to like at least want to understand and at least want to stay re- on the cutting edge or younger or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So like you're not like hating, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think I think uh So 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 number one for salon owners, um, this is kind of a hard pill you have to swallow. You cannot get emotionally attached to your team in the sense of, you know, you give them your all with the expectation that they're going to give you their all. So about 10 years ago, you know, we, we were at the height of commission versus uh, rental and we were losing a lot of stylists because, because naturally they were just going rental. And, and at that point, to be completely honest, I didn't understand it. So, so I was like, no, going rent is bad. Those are bad people, you know, like no, n- no team services not that. So you guys, salon owners, people are going to leave. You cannot beat yourself up over that. They they they're just going to leave. Just as you have the dreams to have this mega salon to run the world to like buy the biggest house and the biggest car in the neighborhood, these guys have the same dreams. They have the same dreams. So when they leave, you have to celebrate that victory for them. And if you look at that as what it is and you understand that, then you will not beat yourself up because if you don't look at it that way, then you will start to safeguard yourself from your environment. You will then start to build your castle and say, whoa, nobody ever leaves. I have non-competes. I have two year long rental agreements. I like I've heard it all. I we have you cannot work within 10 miles of of whatever. Guys, people are going to leave My number one advice to you to best hedge yourself against that, and that means protect yourself from that, is to have a program to grow stylists faster than they leave. So think about there's more water in your swimming pool than there is water leaking out of your pool. Right. So if 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 naturally you're going to leak three people out of your workforce a year. They get married, they get buried, they move on, they they go to another salon. You've got to have four to five people in the queue. And as long as you have four to five people in the queue, then you're like, hey, you know, it was it was great working with you. Thank you so much for your time here. Thank you for all your contribution. I really hate to see you leave. But can you pick your stuff up? Because Susie's moving in on Saturday. Let's like, go. <laughs> like, you know, and when you don't have that, when you don't have that, then you're like, oh, we hate Gina. Gina, blah, blah, blah. They call all Gina's clients and offer them 50% off. Blah, 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 blah. You know, like, whatever. Nobody, nobody salon town hall meeting nobody talks to gina anymore if i see somebody out with gina they're fired like what it's so true though right so Um. but now if you have people if you if you're now and i don't mean it like people but if your program has qualified candidates coming in new recruits not like you're recruiting people but new people coming in hey Thank you. Thank you for the time here. I, I really anytime. appreciate it. Yeah. Come come back. Cool. I love you. I hate to see you go. I'm gonna be sad for a day or two. But by Saturday, can you pick up your stuff? <laughs> like, you know, then so, 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 you know, 2012 people have the save your money saved up and be prepared. Be prepared to what feels like being heartbroken, backstabbed. It's going to feel like that. I'm not going to lie. It feels like that, but
0: I feel like it does feel like that. Even if you do everything right, you still always feel a little bit hurt. And I think it's just because you care and it is hard to lose those relationships. Cause a lot of the times, even if it, everyone leaves on good terms or whatever, the relationship just is, it's not a day to day anymore. It's not a, you know, we have the group chat. It's like, you know, they move on and they're gone and it's hard, you know? So I think like maybe making it like, well, I'm sad I'm not going to see you every day instead of I'm sad you're moving on, you know? Yeah,
1: no, for sure. But I will, I mean, even with my own self inventory, I'm going to say that 70 to 80% of that sentiment is from pride and ego. 100%. You know, day one, when I hear they're leaving, how dare they, you know? And how could they, you know? And you you start sharing... Yeah, how could they and how dare they, right? And then, and then, and then you, you know you just you got new people coming in. And you got a strong program. You don't. You really don't have to worry about it. It just is what it is. You you you'll just keep going. Um. Uh. And, and I th- I think once you get past that, I think super super important. I know I think we're running short on time, but something that I think is super key as a salon owner, you salon salon owners must have a salon savings account where you take anywhere from three to ten percent of your net 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 um on a monthly basis and you put it into saving accounts for rainy days for walkouts for this and the other for remodels for whatever because your your tax. salon that's you know ta- yeah no 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 this is different from tax but but yes <laughs> that the, the but the just but, in case <laughs> yeah for 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 all that all that you have to set because it is literally your your lifeline of of the of the business you you're you cannot run your salon finances on paycheck to paycheck you be, be, you will suffer you will be bitter you will be anxiety ridden and it, it's just a mess you've you've got to have at least one year's reserve of all your expenses in the bank because if you have one year I'm, I'm very confident you can rebuild within one year.
0: Yeah. And you're not sweating. If somebody leaves, it's like having that abundance mindset and it's hard to have the abundance mindset. If you're running on empty, if you're not always training, and if your ego is in charge.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So That's amazing. Um. All right. So the last question is I asked you before I was like, what do you want me to ask you? And you said life after hair investments, make as much money as you can. <laughs> As a hairdresser, I've spent so much time trying to find the best products for my clients and the best prices for my business. Then I found Marlowe Beauty Supply. Marlowe is a wholesale supplier that is only for beauty professionals, AKA they don't sell to your clients. Marlowe guarantees the lowest prices on all of your supplies and guys, the shipping is so fast. It also couldn't be easier to order. Just make an account at MarloweBeauty.com or place an order by phone with their friendly customer care team. Marlowe has the best customer service, a huge selection of products, the lowest prices and the fastest shipping, leaving you with more time for your clients and less time standing in line at the store or lifting heavy boxes. Head to marlobeauty.com to make your free account and start shopping for all of your salon and spa needs. Pros, go to Marlo and so should you. How do you talk about damage with your clients? Damage causes that frizzy, dull and lackluster look. I love to fix all damage concerns with k18 using k18 with all services reverses damage for better longer lasting results between salon visits powered by biotech k18's patented molecular repair technology powers deeper lasting repair in just two steps Their Pro Mask and Mist are loved by top stylists globally, and I know you will love K-18 too. Upgrade your services and your clients' routines with professional pricing at salon-centric, k18hairpro.com, or through your local K-18 distributor. There are so many coaches and online education platforms out there, and I think it's so amazing because the industry has more support than ever before. I love it. What I want to share with you is this. My mastermind group is different because it's me, and I'm here for you and able to guide you through your journey as your mentor and coach. I have been doing coaching for over five years now, and I really wanted to make it more accessible, more affordable, and easier for hairstylists to just have that support. So I created the Network Mastermind. Every two weeks, we hop on a live call, and you can ask me literally anything. And then we have meaningful conversations about what's actually going on in the beauty industry all of the calls are recorded so you can listen to them like your own private podcast so if you love this podcast you have literally (laughs) hundreds of hours of live power sessions where we talk about things that are actually going on in the industry and where we help other beauty professionals rise to whatever it is they're looking to achieve. And did I mention it's only $50 a month? Come on. It's a tax write-off. You get a coach for $50 and you get over 20 live coaching sessions with me. It's an absolute no brainer. You're going to make so much more money after joining my mastermind group. I absolutely guarantee it. For more information and to sign up, visit www.thenetworkmastermind.com. You can also save and get 2 months free when you sign up for the year. Again, it's a no-brainer. See you there. So, let's talk Ooh. about it. Like basically your final message, like what did you, what do you really want to say on this podcast to the people listening?
1: So so I've been I've been I've been super super fortunate and and I got a birds-eye view so I've been in here for, for 30 years and and I feel for, for me, I, I've made a lot of right moves and a lot of people, a lot of good people have opened the doors for me. I'm super thankful for, for that. Um, but I see a tremendous amount of my peers that I came out of beauty school with, that I, I worked with in the past, that were all the same age, right? We're we're all 50-ish. And these guys are no longer cutting edge behind the chair. And I see their income start to diminish, right? Where they were flossing with BMWs, they were like fancy vacations. And 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 they can no longer afford their lifestyle. So you guys, if if you're under 20, start today start yesterday if you're under 30 start today and you know if you're like 40 and above it's never too late but you have got to start to think of yourself in the future 20 year old Gina Bianca is going to run into the 50 year old Gina Bianca down the road she's waiting for you down there Gina she's down the road she she's she's looking at you and she's like Gina What do you got for me, girl? I hope it's good. Right? 75, 80-year-old Victor is like down the road. They're like, oh, he's almost at the home stretch. I wonder what he's got for us. I wonder what he's got for us. Is he coming home with a big package? Or are we going home with a value meal? You guys, I'm telling you. So start to prepare yourself for the future. Get smarter, get wiser, right? So I don't know what that means for you, but the simple answer is the the next part that I was saying is investment. I'm gonna say that 99% of hairdressers and maybe even 99% of these people listening to this podcast don't know anything about investment. You guys, the stock market is the easiest vehicle to make money. The easiest vehicle. You could double your money. You could put 500K in there, you could have a million dollars in a couple of years. Like literally in a couple of years, you could double your money. And if you're making 2,000 behind the chair and you're, and you're dumping 75K in the stock market, you could literally be a millionaire, but you've got to learn how to administrate your, your investment. Gina, when you were speaking about the salon is a fraction of your income the salon is a fraction of my income and it's been like that for a long time because i maxed i squeezed every single dime i could from behind the chair every single dime and i put that into investments right and then i've just got this cherry tree of like things and people people are deceived and i need to share this message because they're like Oh, he's making money from the booth renters and he's making money from the commission stylists. And 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 they're deceived. They're deceived by by what they see because they're associating it to the wrong thing. If they if they if if people would say like, yeah, this guy's I have a hard time saying it. If this guy, yeah, this guy is smart. He's probably got some real estate. He's probably got some investments and he's doing distribution. He's got the salon and he's probably got these other things that we don't know about. So he's probably got like 10 streams of income coming in. So, you know, if they were, if they were to see that for what that is, then I'd be like, Hey, I'm proud of you. You recognize that because if you only see, and you only think that it's coming from that behind the chair, Gina, that seventy-five-year-old Gina Bianca down the street, down the down the road of life, it's gonna be Gina. You didn't see that. You weren't paying attention, girl. What were you thinking, Susie? What were you thinking, Bob? Open your eyes. You didn't see that. Like so, yeah. so, 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 so you, so you have to be in in tune with that. And you guys, the last thing is. This is probably the most controversial and it's gonna piss off a lot of people and everybody's gonna say this and that because earlier you're like, hey, it's toxic, a little bit about that. You said some people might say this.
0: Okay, but you know that I'm just <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. I don't think it's toxic, I think it's how you get no. ahead.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So so you guys, Not me. I think the average hairdresser should be doing twenty five hundred dollars behind the chair every day. I'm not judging you, but if you're not doing $2,500 behind the chair every day, you've got work to do. Don't, don't, don't even consider opening a salon. Don't, don't like, don't, don't focus on nothing. Wake up with beast mode attitude, $2,500. I need to walk out of the salon today with $2,500. How am I going to do it? That should be your only focus. Tunnel vision, put your blinders on $2,500. 12 clients a day, every single day, $250, $2,500. Done easy. How do I get 12 clients? Every day, wake up. How do I get 12 12 clients? How do I get 12 clients? How do I do 20? Don't worry about the club. Don't worry about your friends. Don't worry about the drinks. Don't worry about the parties. Don't worry about anything. You can be 25 years old and making $2,500 behind the chair every day. And if you do that, by the time 25-year-old Susie Q meets up with 50-year-old Susie Q, you guys are going to be high-fiving each other. You're going to be slapping each other. You, The both of you, 25-year-old Gina Bianca and 50-year-old Gina Bianca, will be taking trips around the world because she is going to be so proud of the 25-year-old Gina Bianca. But if you don't do that, if you do not do that, you're, you're, you're going to be in value, happy meal, income. And you're going to have to then, you know, really consider what happens, like when your clients come in, they're like, hey, Gina, how much does this cost? Because I'm on a fixed income. Right? You you trade in your BMW for a Chevy Malibu. You know, you're no longer going to France. You're like, maybe going to Wichita for vacation. You know, it's it's money doesn't buy you happiness
0: but i'd rather cry but it in my range Rover,
1: <laughs> but but it does buy you choices yes. and choices make you happy so so money doesn't buy you happiness money buys you choices choices can lead to happy because i would much rather be Happy, I would much rather be on a European vacation than in some camping vacation down the street at my local park. Now, internally, I need to be happy first, but I would be content on vacation somewhere exotic.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you share your vision of success and somebody else's vision of success. may be, I want to retire at 50 years old or 40 years old, or I may want to leave a legacy for my kids. Whatever your definition of success is, no one's taking that away from you. And this is a great illustration of whatever that definition of success is the reality is you have to work. And if, you know, people are looking at you like, Oh, he makes all this money off of this, that, and the other thing, or they look at me and they're like, Oh, she has this, this, and this, they don't see the 10 streams of income. And that's why I'm so happy about this podcast because it is unfiltered, you know, like this is the reality and, you know, you can see it and hate on it or you can see it and say, okay, these people are actually trying to elevate, um, you know, the industry and help make that reality more accessible to everybody. Right. So for salon owners, booth renters, stylists, anybody, you know, I feel like today <laughs> the information, this is like one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Like I awesome. really feel like the information shared is just amazing. Like I always learn so much. I'm always so grateful for the time I get to talk to you, Victor. Like I'm, I'm not just blowing smoke. Like I'm serious. One of my favorite people, one of my biggest mentors. And I just want to thank oh, you thank for you. sharing all of that to our audience, because I feel like <laughs> It's definitely going to have a big impact.
1: Good. Yeah. No, if they could take a little bit about uh, this or all of this, I would, I would, I would wear this podcast out until I understand every single bit, every single, uh, dynamic of the conversation and, and wear it out and then, and then move forward for sure. Yeah.
0: Listen to it again and again, because you're going to get some depending on, and I always say that with long form content, especially podcasts, I will listen to some podcasts three or four times to like. Cause in every state that you're in, you could be tired. You could be more energized. Mm -hmm. You'd be working out. You could be driving. You're going to hear something different every time. And, you know, depending on where you are in your career and what you need the most, you'll get, you'll get that, um, the more times you listen. So, um, thank you so much again, for your time. This is a lot of time and, uh, the industry appreciates it. I appreciate it. Um, and again, just thank you so, so much.
1: You're very welcome. All right.
0: Thanks, Victor. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Salon Ownership Unfiltered. This series has been so fun to record. I've learned so much from all of the amazing guests, and I'm so grateful that I'm able to provide this amazing free resource to all of you. It wouldn't be possible without all of my sponsors, my mastermind group, and Educate with Influence because those amazing people and businesses support this free education. So please check out all the sponsors, visit GinaBianca.com slash podcast to get all of the information and more resources attached to this episode. I would also love to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you're loving the podcast. All right, that's it. I'll talk to you guys soon and hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next one.